Chip. Everyone, it's good to see everybody here as we continue our sermon series and about lies we tell ourselves. And, and this week is about worldly lies. Uh, is it worth our while that we get up out of bed and only live in the pursuit of stuff? Um, so I'm sure Ben is going to get into that, into the message. I was actually... Um, kind of upset that I, I had to preach at the other side because I wanted to hear Ben preach, but I'm going to stay and hear it. So that should be awesome. So that's a, a treat that we can look forward to. Um, one announcement uh, before. Oh, first of all, um, on a serious note, uh, we have changed our dress code requirements for this service, as you can see. And so there zero tolerance on informal attire. You can see we got parking people out there wondering if you really belong here. Anyway, I asked them to move the cones. They're like, what are, you, are you a member here? I said, can you move the cones? I don't know if I answered them or not. Um, I've got one announcement. Dolores Jacobson, our organist over at, at Faith on Glendale on Monday nights for over 15 to 20 years had gone through a hip replacement. And we're just gathering together as a congregation to try and support her as she heals. Uh, and so we have created a meal train for her. So you can sign up for, I think it's every other night. Um, there, there's a slide and a, Q, a QR code, I think, uh, on the, I call it an island. Is there another name for this thing up here? Out there where all the worship folders are? Okay, there are these and you can scan that with your phone and it will bring up the meal train. There's also a link that will be going out. Um, I believe something similar was done for me about three years ago, which I am super grateful for. And those really help someone who is having a hard time. Um, so with that, that is all the babbling I have to do. So as you are able, I invite you to rise for our first song. Amazing God, the Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high, the God of wonders beyond our galaxy. Heaven and earth. Lord of 
congregation may be seated. Let's prepare our hearts for confession.
Luther's small catechism teaches us that our baptism into Christ, which works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, also indicates that the Christian life involves ongoing struggle between the old creature and the new man. It, it indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. As we prepare to confess our sins to God and one another, let us take a moment to reflect on our temptations to sin, our unhealthy attraction to the things of this world, and draw, that draw us away from God's will for our lives. For Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Gracious God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart, and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. For the sake of Jesus, have mercy on us and forgive us. By the power of your Spirit and Holy Word, Create in us a pure heart and equip us to be your ambassadors of love and generosity. Amen. As a fellow brother in Christ, God says, when you confess your sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive all unrighteousness. Upon your confession, God has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. Let us rejoice in the forgiveness that our God has given us. Amen. Now let's take a, because of the ministry of reconciliation, then the joy we receive because of it, let's greet one another in the peace of the Lord.
We now invite all the children up for the message that Ms. Saiski has to share in our children's sermon. Come on up. There's probably some things that I could have done differently. How else could I have gotten that dollar out? What do you think? So much smarter. Oh, there it is. Yeah. That got my dollar out. I was so silly to get my hands stuck in there. I didn't really need this dollar. I just saw it and I, I really wanted it. Well, did you know that the Bible actually talks about um, money kind of being a root of evil? Now, it doesn't say money's bad. Is money, do we need money? Yeah, yeah, I need money. I had, <laughs> I had to go grocery shopping today. I needed money to get my food. I need money to buy clothes. So yeah, we need money. There's nothing wrong with money. Money's perfectly fine, but the problem is that sometimes we will do anything to get money, and that's what the Bible is warning us about. In 1 Timothy, which we're going to hear soon, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it tells us, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, when I started, I had my hands stuck in here. I caused all sorts of grief for myself because I thought I had to have it. And I 
didn't think about my safety. I didn't think about anybody else. I just jumped in, I stuck my hand in there, I got my hand stuck in that vase. Because I was putting that money, I didn't slow down and think, I was putting that money first. Like I said, money's not a bad thing. We can do lots of wonderful things with money. But what God is telling us is, this should not be the most important thing in our life. Thinking of, hmm, how can I help my neighbor? And I can sometimes use money to help my neighbor. How can I help my neighbor with that? Or how can I help my church? Soon we'll take an offering and that money can go and it can help our ministry. And it can help tell other people about God and Jesus' love and what he did for us. And that's really important. So again, money itself is not bad. But when we start putting the money in front of God, in front of other people, that is when we really get in trouble. All right, I'm going to ask you guys to please pray with me. And if you can just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the gift of money. Please help us to use it wisely on all of our needs and to help others. Amen. Thank you for coming up, guys. Today we're discussing lies the, world's te- the world tells us, specifically the lie that you can have it all. Our first reading, which also serves as our sermon text, is taken from 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves on many griefs. If we could please stand for the words of Jesus. Our gospel text is taken from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist on the abundance of his possessions. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Congregation may be seated.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have a question for you. If you could have anything in the world, anything at all, right now, what would it be that would make you happy? And I don't mean just happy for right now, I mean happy forever. What could you get that would always keep you content? You know? Is it in your mind? Because I know what mine is, or what, what it was. See, when I was a child, there was one thing I wanted more than anything else. I wanted a samurai sword. And I, and I don't mean like something to sit on the shelf and look nice. I mean like a real samurai sword that could chop a table in half. See, I was a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Big fan. Leonardo was the best because he had two swords. And as a child, I continually pestered my parents about letting me buy a sword. But for some reason, they did not want their 12-year-old running around with a sharp, deadly weapon. <laughs> I don't get it either. But years went by, and I was in my late 20s, and I still wanted one. This is what I wanted most in the entire world, a real sword. This was going to make my life complete. And so now I was working, and I had my own place, and I had money, had my own money. And so I said, you know what, now's the time. I'm going to finally get it. So I do some research, look it up online, find the perfect sword. I actually called the people who made it, talked to them about it, and it was excellent. So I ordered it. It's going to take two weeks to get it. And those, honestly, were like the best two weeks of my life. Because I knew that this sword, when it finally arrived, it was going to complete my life. I wasn't unhappy, but I was missing something. It wasn't as happy as I could be. Finally, the day arrived. I still remember it perfectly. I was sitting in my living room watching TV, and the doorbell rang. And as soon as I was up like a shot, and I was down the steps because I knew what it was. It was my sword. It finally arrived. I grabbed the box. I bring it back upstairs. I take it out of the box, and it's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted. I pull it out of the Saya. It's mirror finish, razor sharp. And for the next 15 minutes, it was like a kung fu movie in my <laughs> living room. There wasn't a box that was safe. Everything was in shreds. And after 15 minutes, all after these perfectly cut pieces all on the ground, I put the sword back in the Saya. I hung it on the wall. And I went back to watching TV. I remember that day because of how disappointing it was. I got what I wanted, the thing I wanted most in the world for over two decades. It was exactly what it was supposed to be, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. I got exactly what I wanted, and my life didn't change one bit. Have you been there? Have you had that experience? The world tells us so many different lies. It says, hey, if you get everything that you want, then you're going to be happy. And we believe the lies. So we work hard and we, we go after the job. We go after the cars. We go after the money. We go after the, the spouse and the kids and the family and all of that. And when you get it, is it ever what you expected it to be? Does it ever completely complete you the way you wanted it to? No. 
Never. And so we're disappointed, but the world comes and says, no, 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 no. You had the right idea. The problem was the amount. You got a little money. What you need is more money. A little money made you happier. More money will make you more happier, I guess. So you get more money and you work hard and you get a bigger house and more cars. You get more friends. You become more popular. You get more likes on Facebook. See, I actually did that once. Um, I don't really use Facebook a lot, but I will put like pictures that I paint out on there. And well, you know artists, they are the worst. We constantly need reassurement. And so what I did was I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll actually take one of these flower paintings I did and I'm gonna put it on this Facebook page that is for flowers. And you know what I got? I got likes. Five, 10, 20, 50, which was some pretty rare air for me. I mean, I had validation raining down from heaven. But the more likes I got, even in that moment, the more likes I got, the less it mattered to me, the less I cared. I was getting what I wanted and it didn't mean anything. Have you been there? Have you experienced that where you got the bigger yard, you got the house with more rooms and more cars and more friends and all of that, and it doesn't change anything? Why is that? Why is it that we take the advice of the world and it never comes true? Why is it always a lie? And the answer is because the world is trying to solve a problem that it cannot fix. See, it was never about the amount of stuff you had, the amount of friends you had, the amount of money you had. It was never about that. Those were all distractions from the real problem. And the real problem that keeps you up at night, that steals all of your joy, is you are not good enough. And this isn't about being not good enough for your friends or your family or even yourself. We know deep down in our hearts that you and I are not good enough for God. In everything that we do, we fall short. In every choice that we make, we're wrong. Every time, whether it's voluntarily, whether it's by accident, we fail God in so many different ways and we know he knows it and it ruins our day because we know something is wrong. There's a broken relationship. It's like having this great weekend planned with a bunch of fun things to do, but you know on Monday morning you've got a doctor's appointment and you know you're gonna be getting some news that is really, really bad. That knowledge tempers the whole weekend. It ruins and, and takes down the joy of everything that you experience. And for our life, it is so much worse because we know at the end of our life, we're gonna come in contact with God. And he's gonna take our entire life and put it on a scale and see how we measure up and it will not be good. We know disaster is coming and we know there's nothing we can do about it. But fortunately, God knew this too. And that's why God sent Jesus. He went to the cross for every single time we tried and we failed, we deliberately didn't follow God's word, for every time we tried to find satisfaction in the world instead of in him. For every single one of those times, Jesus went to the cross and paid for it all. Slate wiped clean. But he didn't stop there. Instead, he took Jesus' life. And he put it upon us so that all of our failures and all of our mistakes, God doesn't see anymore. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. The Bible says that God made him who had no sin 
to be sin for us so that we may become the righteousness of God. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see someone who's not good enough. He sees a restored relationship with him. And now in that restored relationship, he gives us a task. And it's not gonna be one of those unfulfilling tasks like acquiring possessions for ourselves that are never gonna satisfy you. Now he actually makes us part of his kingdom. He gives, he says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He calls us to a new path. And on this path, it's not gonna be about stuff. All of that stuff that didn't fulfill us because the stuff in our eyes, when we have a proper focus that's on that godly relationship, now the stuff is just stuff. It doesn't make our day, it doesn't break our day, it's just stuff. And Paul says, it's a good way to look at it because you can't take it with you. We brought nothing into this world, we will take nothing out of this world, so making your life about the stuff of this world is really a waste of time. So we don't focus on it. Instead, our attitude is, if I have food, if I have clothing, if I have my basic needs met, then I have everything that I need to fulfill the task that God has assigned me. I can carry out the most important, most valuable thing that God gives me every day, and I can do it with God on my side, living a life that actually pleases him. Now, this is a difficult teaching because we got that sinful nature still inside of us. We are the new person, but we're also that old Adam. And that old Adam says, well, yeah, that's all good, but can I still have the car? Can I still have the house? Can I still have the, the fame? Can I have that and have this? And while the stuff is just stuff, we have to be careful because that sinful nature is very good at slightly shifting the focus of once again taking it off of God and putting it back on the world, that I can't be happy if I don't have fill in the blank. So we have to be very careful because even in our text, it said, those who want to be rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. There's danger here. It's a trap of this world to start looking at those things again as the sinful nature wants to do and act like that's gonna bring you the happiness that it never did before. See, that's a life of discontent. A discontented life is one that the story of your life is the story of what you didn't get, what you lack, what God didn't provide for you. The content life says that God has given me this restored relationship. He has supplied me with everything that I need to carry out the most important, most validating task I can possibly carry out. That God is on my side. It doesn't mean everything is perfect. It doesn't mean there aren't things that you still want in your life. It just means that God is providing for every one of your most necessary needs. And that's where we find our joy. Now, Pastor Dan last week, he, uh, made a comment that this kind of positive thinking uh, sounds like something that belongs in modern psychology. And as true as that is, it's still 100% biblical because Christians are happy people. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says, whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, focus on such things. Christians, they are happy people. 
We're not focused on what we don't have. We're focused on God, how God has provided for us, about this restored relationship with him, that we're now walking a hand in hand with a God that is pleased with you. And it's a wonderful thing. Now you do have the question, okay, so can I be content and still have things that I want? Or are those mutually exclusive? And the truth is no, not at all. When your focus and your joy is found in God and that relationship with him and living your faith, well then the stuff of this world is just stuff and it's okay to have it because you know your joy is not found in it. We can take a lesson from the Apostle Paul. Now he basically wrote half the New Testament and he had a, what he called a thorn in his flesh. It was something physical or spiritual that he didn't like. And he prayed to God three times that God would remove it. But what God said to him was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Effectively, what God was saying is, Paul, I'm using this in your life right now to display my power, so I'm not gonna remove it, but I will give you the grace to be there with a good attitude. And so that's what Paul did. Paul's mindset was, if God wants to remove it, he can remove it, but until he does, I'm gonna be happy where I am, thorn and all. And that's what we do. If you have something on your heart that you'd like to have, your joy is still found in God, but it's okay to pray about it. Pray, believe that you're gonna receive it. Trust that God is gonna give you what you ask for, something even better. And then while we wait, we don't miss the beauty of this day. And when God answers, whatever he answers, today, this day is still a good day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, contentment in this world is absolutely possible. But it's not gonna happen through the wisdom of the world which says get as much stuff as you can. Try to scratch every itch and get everything you ever wanted. You know that doesn't work. Contentment is possible when we focus on that restored relationship with God. When we now live this faith, are part of this work, have a proper center to our life. When we focus on that and we will live that life, we can be content every single day. Amen. Let's rejoice. Let's uh, say thank you to our God by bringing offerings before him from the first fruits that he has given to us. Innocent life paid the cost.
your status as nothing The king of all kings came to serve Washing my feet Covering me with your love If more of you Means less of me Take
let, let us join together in prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In response to God's word, let us come before him and pray with confidence that we, his children, are heard and will be answered according to his will. Abba, Father, we here for the peace of, we're here for the peace of the world, that you would defeat the plans of those who seek to stir up violence, malice, and strife. By, By your, your spirit, spirit, bring a peaceful resolution to all conflicts around the world and provide timely resources to those who need it most. Abba Father, we pray for our nation. The citizens and leaders alike would be humble, would humble themselves and acknowledge your goodness and sustaining power. By, By your, your spirit, spirit support, support us in defending our liberties and bless our leaders with wisdom, integrity, and fortitude as they serve in the role that you have appointed to them. Abba Father, we pray for our families that love, respect, and good communication may prevail between husbands and wives, parents and children, and extended family. By your spirit, help us love each other as Christ first loved us and bring reconciliation to our broken relationships. Abba Father, we pray for Christians around the world that your children would hold steadfast to the truths found in your holy word so that we may shine your light to all the world in need. By your spirit, help us to rethink the treasures found in our hearts and enable us to use your gifts and resources for the benefit of others. Abba Father, we pray for the sick, the injured, and those who are undergoing or recovering from surgery, especially Dolores Jacobson, who is recovering from surgery, Jennifer Klein, who is currently going through chemotherapy, and Tim, who is recovering from a serious injury. We also pray for the family of Sandy, the sister-in-law of Carol Jacobson, who has gone to her heavenly home. Be with them during this time and give them the comfort that only you can provide, that they may experience your peace and be touched by your healing hand. By your spirit, overcome their fears with the joy of your salvation and restore their health according to your gracious will. Abba Father, we pray for the doctors, nurses, and all healthcare workers and researchers that they would be fulfilled in their calling and use your gifts as you have intended. By your spirit, guide them through the daily pressures of serving others and help them use their talents to their fullest potential. Abba Father, we pray for the police officers, firefighters, first responders, and all military personnel, that you would grant them protection and good judgment as they serve others under the threat of constant danger. By, By your spirit, spirit help, help them, them to serve, serve with honor and integrity while they work under pressure and bless their families during extended times of separation. Abba Father, we pray for those who are afflicted with anxiety, depression, and despair, that you would touch them with your peace and quiet their hearts to know that you will provide for their needs and sustain them through all the struggles of life. By your spirit, strengthen their faith and hope in the 
risen Christ and replace all doubt and anguish with a steadfast truth in your provision and power. Abba Father, you've blessed us with the gift of marriage. And we, today we celebrate with Dennis and Kathleen Bowman who are celebrating 53 years of, of marriage and also with Ray and Sally Hintz who are celebrating 57 years of marriage. Lord, strengthen these families and be a blessing and put your blessing on every Christian family. Lord, hear us now as we bring you our private petitions in silent prayer. O Lord, into your hands we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's leave with the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go and serve the Lord.